0: What are the highest values in life? The answer is subjective, of course. But most of us will agree on a few core principles, truth, virtue, goodness. But one that gets less and less credit these days, but I think is equally important, is beauty. It's almost a bad thing to say that, it's seen as immoral. You tell someone you value beauty above all else, and they'll look at you like you're some kind of pervert, a hedonist, squandering away your time and money on frivolous things. Yet I believe that there are few things that are more deeply moral than a passion for beauty. The experience of beauty, like looking out at the ocean at sunset, or seeing the face of a loved one, or listening to a saxophone solo by Lester Young, it connects us to a higher plane of existence, to a sense of universality and timelessness, of dustness, like there's just no way this thing could or should be any different from just the way it is. It's a perfect harmony between potential and form. True beauty is an overwhelming experience where just for an instant, nothing else matters. Life is full of tragedy, but beauty has the power to transfigure suffering into something sublime Take Michelangelo's Pietà, the statue of a mother grieving her fallen son. In that moment of human misery, something ideal and eternal is captured. And its effect isn't crushing, it's uplifting. It reminds us that there is something greater than ourselves, be it hope, be it love, or perhaps be it beauty itself. And that despite all the anger and hate and weakness and fear that we see around us, we are still capable of creating great things. Nowadays, it seems as though we are losing the value of beauty. We seek superficial pleasures that give us a quick fix and leave us restless, desperately looking for the next moment of relief from boredom. Art itself doesn't seem interested in beauty as much as trying to shock or provide a commentary on the world, not as it might be, but just as it is. But we should not forget the awesome and uplifting power of beauty in our lives of the fulfilment it can bring us and hope for a better world, one just beyond our reach but still close enough to be grasped by our imaginations and to inspire us to be better. In our darkest times, we can always count on beauty to lift us beyond ourselves and give us hope that it's not all that bad. Patrick, <laughs> I am humbled. <laughs> Patrick, why are you blowing my mind, man? I wanted to say to you how much I've enjoyed the segments on your station today. You're always so busy creating all of this amazingness. Jeez, your show is just so stupid good. Honestly, the content that you produce here is truly, truly life-enriching. Patrick, hello. I was listening to you talking about shrimps. No one's communicating these ideas like you are. No one. No one anywhere. Patrick, I actually agree with you about emotions. I would say that emotions are clues to what might be true about reality. It's blowing my mind today. It's killing me. Patrick, you have no idea how refreshing it was for me to hear you share the advice that you shared with me in the segments that you did and the way you did. Anyway, I just really wanted to thank you. Thanks for always being there. Thank you for all you do on The Great Everything, and I'm always, always looking forward to hearing more. Patrick. When I grow up, I would have be just like you. <laughs> Hello, this is The Great Everything, a guide to becoming a better human. I'm Patrick, a former banking lawyer who saw the light and quit to dedicate my life to philosophy. So often we feel trapped by life, by our jobs, and our relationships, and general circumstances. Yet these cages we feel stuck in are very often self-imposed and sometimes even illusions. Recently I was talking here on Anchor about us being the makers and not the victims of our choices. That our attitude and how we face the hardships of life is far more decisive a factor in our quality of life than the things that actually happen to us. Ultimately, fulfillment is an internal state of being, not a barometer of what the external world throws at us. I'll go further. We can find that inner fulfillment even if we're stuck in a literal cage. But don't listen to me, listen to Viktor Frankl, an Austrian psychiatrist who survived the Holocaust and wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. It's about his time in Auschwitz, and how he, in literally the worst of all possible human experiences, through the conscious choices he made, still managed to cling on to what makes us human. Quote, Man does not simply exist, but always decides what his existence will be, what he will become in the next moment. By the same token, every human being has the freedom to change at any instant. But what does he mean by freedom to change at any instant? This is how he explains it. The one thing you can't take away from me is the way I choose to respond to what you do to me. The last of one's freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our freedom so think about all the times you get angry or upset at something that was done to you maybe somebody said something really hurtful so that happened and you got mad but Frankel is saying why where is this inevitable necessary connection between someone insulting you and you getting mad think about it the, the link just isn't there You're not an inanimate object just reacting automatically to outside forces. You're a human being with freedom and choice, right? So you are choosing to react that way, to get mad. But there is no necessary connection there. Instead, Frankl says, there is a space and power to choose your response. Even within a Nazi concentration camp, Frankel's experience in Auschwitz convinced him that we preserve what he called a vestige of spiritual freedom, of independence of mind, even in the most terrible conditions imaginable. He tells this story that really highlights how our attitudes dictate, perhaps not our circumstances, but at least our experience of our circumstances. Quote, a fellow prisoner rushed in and asked us to run out to the assembly grounds to see the wonderful sunset. Standing outside, we saw sinister clouds glowing in the west and the whole sky alive with clouds of ever-changing shapes and colors, from steel blue to blood red. The desolate grey mud huts provided a sharp contrast, while the puddles on the muddy ground reflected the glowing sky. Then, after minutes of moving silence, one prisoner said to another, How beautiful the world could be! Frankl believed that in spite of his situation, he retained the one freedom to be the ultimate determiner of his own behavior and actions and outlook. And if he could find that inner freedom in a place like a Nazi concentration camp, what excuse do you have? If you're interested in this idea and the notion that even in the extremities of the human experience, it is we who decide how we react to external events, check out my blog, thegreateverything.com. Mark wrote an article there about Viktor Frankl. It's called A Holocaust Survivor on how to live a meaningful life. If you like it, let me know, share, comment, communicate, etc. Until then, I'll catch you later here on The Great Everything. In the last segments, I discussed Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl and his belief that we can find purpose and meaning within ourselves, even in the direst circumstances. The idea that we choose how to react to external events and pressures, that we are positive agents of change and not just supine objects, that's a powerful notion. Just because someone kicks you in the face doesn't mean you have to get upset or angry. You can choose to react and experience it differently. But unless you already live this way and are close enough to be able to grasp the impact of this idea, you might be left thinking this is all just a bit vague and unrealistic. So for you guys, here's a few practical takeaways from Viktor Frankl's book to help us in our quest for a meaningful life. 1. View success as a byproduct, not an objective. Quote, success like happiness cannot be pursued, it must ensue, and it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself, or as the byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than oneself. So Frankl sees chasing happiness as success as a recipe for inauthentic life choices. Instead, we should try to understand what drives us and focus on doing that as well as possible if we follow our authentic path to the fullest of our abilities success will necessarily ensue take me i decided to become a corporate lawyer because i was attracted by the money the prestige the you know quote success of it all but that wasn't me and i soon realized i could never be happy doing something so inauthentic so instead i decided to do something far less financially rewarding but that was me I'm not successful yet, but a lot of you seem to like what I'm doing, so who knows? Maybe one day I'll be able to personally endorse this takeaway from Frankel. The second one is, aim for a meaningful life, not the meaning of life. So stop thinking about the meaning of life. Think instead, what will make my life meaningful? Frankl believes the ultimate meaning surpasses the finite intellectual capacities of man. So we need to stop thinking of life as something out there to be discovered and start thinking about ourselves as the object. As Frankl puts it, it is we who are being questioned by life, daily and hourly. So what really matters here is, when life asks you a question, how are you going to answer? I'm seeing that these days. I mean, my whole life was upturned by my mother's brain cancer and I've had to abandon my life and the dream I was pursuing and will now spend the foreseeable future living away from my chosen home, being a -a 24-hour-a-day carer with no social life or time to myself, spending days giving injections and changing diapers. Life is now asking me a question. And how am I going to face this thing? How am I going to respond to it? On this point, Frankl also has this advice. Find value in hardship. As an Auschwitz survivor, Frankl views suffering as an unchangeable fact of life. Without suffering and death, human life, he believes, cannot feel complete. The way in which a man accepts his fate and all the suffering it entails, the way in which he takes up his cross gives him ample opportunity, even under the most difficult circumstances, to add a deeper meaning to his life. It may remain brave, dignified, and unselfish. Or in the bitter fight for self-preservation, he may forget this human dignity and become no more than an animal. Let's see, I hope I don't become an animal. Although if I do, I'd like it to be a cat. Finally, love deeply. Frankl views love as the sole means to seeing the truth and potential in another person. Meaning can be found, Frankl says, by experiencing another human being in his very uniqueness by loving him. Quote, by his love he is enabled to see the essential traits and features in the beloved person. And even more, he sees that which is potential in him.